Welcome to the GRF On The Go podcast. The subject matter experts at GRF CPAs and Advisors created this podcast to offer insights on current topics, as well as new ideas and best practices that your team can apply today. This podcast was originally presented as a live webinar. CPE information provided during the podcast is no longer valid, but if you're interested in watching the video version of this session or accessing the slide deck, visit our website at grfcpa.com forward slash events. Enjoy the episode and remember to subscribe for future content. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining our webinar today. Uh, we really appreciate it. Cybersecurity is AI the secret weapon. So it's going to be a very interesting webinar today. Hopefully, uh, you all will take some great takeaways to take back to the organization. And as always, you know, at the end, we're going to allow for some questions uh, to if anybody has questions, please feel free to bring them up. And also, if we can be of further help, uh, then obviously you'll have all our contact information at the end. So if we go to the next slide here, uh, it, obviously we got some great presenters today. We have Melissa Musser, who's one of our partners, as well as myself, uh, one of the partners here at GRF as well. And then we have Darren Hulim, who's one of the managers in the enterprise risk management and the risk advisory department. So you're all going to get some great information from all of us. So again, we are uh, a firm uh, that's located in the Washington, D.C. area. And as you all noticed in the first slide, we have actually been awarded a few, uh, you know, the best firms to work for in 2023 by accounting today. You know, the regional leaders in 2023 also by accounting today, the firms to watch in 2023 by accounting today, uh, as well as one of the top 200 firms in 2023 by Inside Public Accounting. So very well recognized firm, as you all can tell you know, from, from very reputable organizations. So uh, we, we obviously here on the next slide gives a little bit detail about our solutions. You know, we're still a full service firm. Uh, we are working uh, with our clients with audit, tax, the outsourced accounting and technology, enterprise risk management, obviously with Melissa and Dion and the entire team, internal audit, fraud and forensics, and of course, cybersecurity, which is what we're going to talk about today. So we we are very well versed and we do help our clients in all these areas, uh, which obviously puts us in a great advantage and we can benchmark a lot of uh, uh, opportunities and a lot of uh, best practice scenarios, if you will. So the agenda today, as we can see here, we're going to uh, give details about the current landscape uh, of, the, of the cybersecurity right now. Uh, we're going to talk about the understanding of the artificial intelligence of AI. How does AI and other technology can help organizations, you know, in the cybersecurity pathways? And all of this ties into obviously culture. And then at the end of the day, at the end of the webinar, we're going to uh, give a lot of detail about the closing remarks and our contact information, as I mentioned at the beginning of the webinar, as well as uh, allow for everyone to bring in their own uh, Q&A. So here, we'll start a little bit about with the strategy, uh, the security and the resilience. So as we can see here, you know, on the strategy, this is an area that, you know, organizations need to be cognizant about the compliance framework. You know, what kind of framework is the organization using? Uh, is it AI enabled, you know, threat intelligence? You know, how can AI driven threat intelligence empower the organizations to one, anticipate, also identify, 
encounter some emerging cyber threats with greater accuracy and speed. You know, there's also the need to uncover actionable insights from data, you know, explore how ChatGPT can help in this area. Uh, the data privacy and protection, of course, you know, there's many areas that that can be brought in. Uh, foster collaboration between the AI and the human expertise. So, I mean, many, many, many pieces over here that we believe organizations need to be cognizant of and how AI can actually be incorporated. We also have a great uh, white paper here, you know, that allows for organizations to take a look at some cyber solutions, uh, you know, that we have put together internally in our team and we share with all of our clients. Uh, but again, it's also about this, the strategy, the security, the resilience, of course, uh, the penetration testing. How does organization, how do organizations can really become resilient and protect themselves, right? With proper planning, proper recovery, disaster recovery, business continuity, proper policies and procedures. And again, we do believe AI can really play a strong role in here to really help organizations become, you know, have a great strategy, have the security in place. And of course, have that have that resilience that's really necessary. Uh, so again, we'll get into the next slide, which is the current landscape. So with that, I'm actually going to turn it over to Melissa to start talking about the current landscape uh, and, and so on and so forth. So Melissa. Thanks, Ricardo. Hi, everybody. I'm Melissa Musser, Partner and Director of Risk and Advisory Services. I'm a CPA. I'm also a CISA, Certified Information System Auditor, a CITP. I'm not as cool as Darren. Darren's an ethical hacker. Uh, Ricardo also has all the same certifications as me. But I also did just get uh, my CIA, Certified Internal Auditor. I did the uh, CPA, I think it's the um, challenge exam. I know uh, Darren's going to be doing the CISA version. So if you have your CISA or CPA, please consider getting your CIA. It's a, it's a, Institute of Internal Auditors is an amazing organization. I'm currently on the board of the Washington, D.C. chapter. Really excited to be here today. So we're going to be talking about uh, cybersecurity. Um, and I'm going to be trying to talk to really everyone, uh, whether you're, you know, a controller, CFO, you're an internal audit, you're in IT. This is really for everyone. You're on a board, right? Uh, so this is going to be for everyone to think about. And uh, right now, I mean, so it's funny because I actually made this slide in 2019. We were talking, because we do enterprise risk management, we partner with NC State. We're always trying to bring, you know, we're trying to look at the crystal ball every year and say, what are the biggest risks, you know, and how can we help our clients? And in 2019, we were talking about innovation. We We, we knew that, you know, organizations need to digitally transform. We were really talking a lot to accounting departments at the time. And that was in 2019. And board, we were we were pretty right about that because COVID comes around, completely did not see that one in the crystal ball whatsoever. The entire time it was happening, I was still in denial. I kept thinking we were going to be back at the office. Um, you know, that's that's a whole nother story. But anyway, because of that, a lot of folks did, did digitally transform. Those that had already done it fared better. Eventually, folks did transform. They had to. Um, but then we saw the rise in cyber attacks and fraud because of that, right? And so now we're really kind of talking about, okay, now the fraudsters are using AI or they're using technology to attack us. We now need to be more nimble on the cyber side. Before we were really talking about accounting, you know, transformation, and that's obviously still important. I want to talk about cyber kind of transformation here too, right? But it's all connected, right? Because every time you connect with a new technology, you're bringing a cyber risk to the table. So any kind of digital transformation has cybersecurity risk to it. We need to embrace innovation, and that is doing the same thing but better, right? Or you know, everyone's thinking about that. But we also need to be aware and embrace disruption, where something 
can just completely change. We're going to be doing new things that make the old things obsolete. We all collectively, as an organization, a department head, a board, whether you're in an internal audit department, need to be ready to be completely disrupted. And so we're going to be talking about some technology that you can actually use right away, right? So a lot of I've attended some of these AI webinars. A lot of it's forward thinking, telling you what's to come, and that's really great. We're also going to be talking about technology that we're actually using right now that you could be doing right now as well. Um, and it's affordable and you're able to start implementing things right away. And we're really hoping that you can get some good takeaways from that. Um, so obviously with the, with the um, you know, all, all the stuff that I was just talking about, that it, it introduces risk. And again, I've used this slide before, um, you know, because, you know, in the world, you know, digital transformation, I always would joke, it's like the wild, wild west out there, right? Because it's like, we used to have these really bread and butter types of internal controls, IT, everything, you know, IT used to manage their little network servers were on site, you know, things were easy, <laughs> you know, back then. And now it's like, um, you know, you got other departments just popping up a cloud service. And now you've got, I mean, remember when uh, Vegas got hacked by a fish tank? You know what I mean? From the internet of things, because you're not even thinking I got to secure a fish tank and they, the, the bad guys got in and attack, now Vegas got attacked again. I know, Darren, you guys are going to be talking a little bit more about that attack. But, um, you know, we have to really think about all the different ways that we're, we could be exposed in order for us to be able to have good defenses. And AI is going to be able to help us with a lot of this. But um, ransomware attacks, whether it's phishing attacks, uh, zero day vulnerabilities, which is where, you know, you, you may not have been able to patch for something yet. They are going to, AI is going to be used to try to do more zero zero day attacks. We're going to be able to use AI to counterattack. Um, so it's really important that we are constantly looking at ways to change the technology that we're using. Um, obviously, the Internet of Things is what I was talking about, you know, getting connected um, to the Internet. The fish tank is a really good example in Vegas on how they weren't even thinking about how, you know, that could open up a network for someone to attack. So really getting a good understanding of your entire risk universe at an organization. And we're going to talk about this more when we get into the cybersecurity pathway, because if you don't know all the ways that you need to be protected, you cannot build the controls to protect yourself. You can't build good policies. You can't good, do good training. So it all comes down to really understanding what are our risks and how technology can help us better understand these different risks. And the way that AI is, you know, uh, you know, I mean, even these deep fakes that are coming out, I think even the MGM attack wasn't even like a, a traditional phishing, right? I think it might've been a phone call. I know you guys are gonna talk more about this, but we really need to be ready to change the way we do our cybersecurity training. Um, you know, how we how we prepare folks to defend themselves and all the different things we need to be thinking about. So we are going to provide you with some solutions and some good technology um, to be thinking about. So I'm going to turn it back over to Ricardo a little bit. And then Darren, I think, is going to go a little deeper into the details. Absolutely. Thank you, Melissa. Yeah, it's it's very important. And one thing I also wanted to add to what Melissa was talking about is, you know, cybersecurity is a very important topic. Of course, it's something that keeps evolving as we're obviously we have a couple bullets here. But one thing that really needs to be considered is that organizations need to be acting as if they were already hacked. You know, people are already or hackers are already in the organization's network. They're already in there looking for information. So as long as there is that perspective, you know, for the organization to make sure that they feel like somebody's already in there, then obviously, you know, it's easier to discover if really somebody has already been hacking or hacked the organization. So again, it's a key component, something to really keep in mind. Organizations need to be mindful that they need to be acting in that way because then their response is going to be faster. 
uh, it's just going to be much better if they if they act that way, you know. And of course, as we can see here, preventing the unauthorized access to the network, you know, how are the organizations really monitoring who's accessing the network, what's going on? And clearly AI, we're going to have some examples here on the next slide with Darren that are going to talk about some uh, software that is really AI driven, you know, the monitoring, the evaluation. Uh, how is the organization protecting that sensitive data? You know, so it's really important to understand once again, as I said at the beginning, as long as the organization really is acting in a way that it feels like it's already been breached, then it's going to be much easier, uh, you know, to react to a, to an actual breach, if you will, you know, because then as we're saying here, the consequences of a breach can be catastrophic, you know, the reputation, uh, the reputational damage is huge and that's very hard to restore uh, from what we've seen in, in previous uh, breaches for bigger organizations. So with that, Darren is going to give us a little bit about some of the software that obviously is being utilized right now, right this second, uh, in terms of artificial intelligence that can certainly help the organization uh, prevent uh, from a cyber attack. Darren? Yeah, so here's some examples of uh, uh, next-gen antivirus. So a traditional antivirus that you probably grew up using, like BACV, Trend Micro, et cetera, that everybody had. Um, those are traditionally done by signature-based. So every malicious software has a signature or hash associated with it. So we can compare that one-to-one. -one. Okay, that signature matches here. It's bad. Don't allow it through. Um, but they've taken it a step further. So hackers are creating new ones, changing things. So those signatures don't always match. So these new antivirus, which use AI as well as other like behavioral detection, machine learning algorithms, et cetera, they look for patterns of what is actually happening. So for example, you open up a, a Adobe Reader or Adobe Acrobat file, and then all of a sudden a PowerShell prompt pops up. It'd probably be hidden from you, but say a hacker's running some malicious code behind there or a command prompt or terminal, antivirus isn't gonna, a traditional antivirus isn't gonna do anything about it because there's nothing bad happening. There's no malicious file yet. The next gen antivirus says, that's not normal behavior. That's not intended. You typically don't want that happening. If you do, it's a very use case scenario that the organization's IT would probably be doing and only them, not a standard user. So they'll go out and just block it. So that's using antivirus for protection at that point. Uh, and we have our first polling question. Uh, I feel my organization is safe with just traditional MFA, such as... Uh, Microsoft, Google Authenticator, Duo, RSA, Octop, there's tons of them out there. So it looks like we are uh, 60, 40%, uh, or, what, 40% yes, that is, you are safe, and about 57% no. So, okay, so it's basically split. Um, we're going to go into why the people who said no are, are right, and the people who said yes are, are going to learn something today. So you, you learned something today. That's a good thing. Yeah. Interesting responses. Oh. So, yeah, so this takes us then to some of the recent events and, of course, MGM. Who hasn't heard about MGM, right? And and interestingly enough, uh, some of our team members, Melissa and Darren included, were uh, at the MGM in Vegas, you know, during this particular breach. Uh, and they couldn't go to the conference. They were all left out. I'm kidding. Of course, that didn't happen. But it was definitely- They were there a month before. So it was close. A lot of people were out. Absolutely. But, you know, if you start, you know, looking into this particular incident, you know, it's definitely believed that some hackers, you know, found some employees' information on LinkedIn. 
and they impersonated them in a call with MGM. So they called MGM and they happened to just portray that they were absolutely part of the team and the IT helped us, you know, uh, to, to gain access to the company system. So they call MGM's IT help desk, you know, they said, we're part of the company. Can you please help us out? And then uh, as you look more into it, the hackers were identified as a cyber criminal gang proficient in vishing. So, you know, MGM's various systems, you know, from hotel check-ins, casino and financial transactions, they all have been engineered to trust one another, which made it a lot easier for the hackers to gain access, as you can imagine. Uh, and another thing is, you know, there was another casino operator, the Caesars Entertainment, who was also, uh, who reported also the, also a hack, and, and they actually paid a ransom to the hackers uh, who threatened to leak its data. So once again, AI is becoming very, you know, they can actually take your voice and your biometrics and really impersonate people in a way that it's just imaginable. So it's something to really keep in mind as organizations keep moving forward. And it goes back to the beginning of the presentation, right? The cyber hackers are becoming even more and more advanced in their techniques and ways to really steal information, which makes organizations much more vulnerable and they need to be acting much more you know, quickly to make sure they're protecting information because again, the reputation is at risk and, and it's something that needs to be really taken very, very, very seriously. So with that, I know we're going to talk a little bit and I'll turn it back over to Darren to really talk about some increase in the cyber events and so on and so forth to give a couple more examples. So Darren? Yeah, so the, the big one is obviously this is this is kind of what happened to MGM and, uh, and Caesars. So it was ransomware as a service. So on the top right corner, you have the guy in the purple suit who's like a superhero. He is, he's unfortunately not. These are kind of the images that are created by uh, CrowdStrike, which is a next-gen antivirus that kind of comes out there and kind of identifies from threat intelligence, what organizations do, what's their, do they develop the software? Do they kind of break into systems? So that top right one, so they're the, actually the ones, the ransomware as a service uh, group that actually created the ransomware for the group on the top left to use called Scattered Spider. So they actually, like um, Ricardo said, they called into the help, they kind of got someone's link information off LinkedIn, they called into the help desk and, and got access. So they compromised that and they did it all without any special system. They really called somebody and social engineered them. They, they're they saying they're from probably Canada, US or, or uh, Western Europe. So that's not, that's not traditionally where they're from. So their voice sounds like, it's like a very common voice. It doesn't sound like a, a quote unquote movie hacker's voice where you probably think it's somebody from uh, Eastern, Eastern Europe or something from that perspective. And then, um, so they're also known as the access broker and they also, the ransomware as a service affiliate. So they actually used alpha software to kind of run that ransomware and actually take over the systems. And there was tons of posts on, on X or Twitter kind of making fun of MGM saying, we got your systems pretty easily. And it was a big song and a dance. Uh, like Ricardo said, Caesars apparently did pay, I think it was like $15 million ransom. MGM uh, did not. They probably lost more money with all their casinos being down. I've heard tons of reports that people, the slot machines were all down and everything from that perspective. And then here's another way um, that ransomware can happen. This is another example of social engineering. This is not how the MGM or Caesars was, was uh, taken over. Um, this one is more from a, a email phishing, not vishing. So the example is here, uh, you have that Microsoft 365, you have a new voicemail. So uh, it's a pretty common one that probably all of us have seen. 
You click your links, you're like, oh, I need to access this email. Great, then you have the image on the top right that says, okay, here it is. Here's, here's the information. Um, it says login.outlook.live. So you're like, that's a normal Microsoft page. Let's just put my credentials in. Why, why wouldn't you? Um, and the, the software that actually is running behind it is it's called a man in the middle attack. It's called Evil Jinx. And that's that software on the left-hand side. So it makes it look like that's a normal Office 365 login page. Unfortunately, it is not. It's going to another location. And from here, we can see um, the, the green highlighted areas. Um, you get the, we, we get um, your username, your password. So once you put those credentials in, you will get to your location in Office 365 like you expected to see your to get your voicemail. The hacker on the back end also gets your username, your password, and your MFA token if your organization does have that. So they've already bypassed that. They kind of put that white text at the very bottom into a into your into their own browser, and then they bypassed your MFA either into Office 365, so SharePoint, email, Teams, pretty much where your organization saves pretty much all your data. So they have access to all of that. So that's that's how easy a breach can happen with one email click. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be ransomware because they can do that afterwards, or they can just collect the data, sit in there, um, wait till someone goes on vacation, kind of try to do uh, fraud or financial fraud from that perspective. We've seen that recently with, with some clients, unfortunately. And now we're gonna talk about understanding AI. Right, thanks team. All right, so it's funny, um, the definition of artificial intelligence, um, I have a, a link there of the um, you know, international um, you know, privacy professionals. Um, if, you, if you were to click that link or look it up, um, actually, <laughs> Every country, uh, you know, every government, they're all coming up with different definitions of AI. Um, at the end of the slide, we're going to talk a little bit about AI legislation that's being developed and, you know, understanding the definition of AI will affect legislation. And as you can tell, this is an explosive area and, and there's going to be just like, you know, GDPR and privacy, lots of regulation, lots of things going on. It's going to be important for you to really understand, you know, really kind of what is the definition of artificial intelligence? And, you know, in doing the research, I guess I found computer scientist John McCarthy coined the term artificial intelligence in 1955. OK, so this is been around for a little while. Obviously, things are exploding right now, especially with unleashing ChatGPT, although you've been interacting with AI for probably quite some time now. Um, and if you've seen the Terminator movies, I'm sure we're all well aware <laughs> of the, the potential effects of AI. But um, so he defined it as the science of engineering of making intelligent machines. Um, and so I know Darren's going to talk a little bit more. And the definition that I have here is basically from, I believe, the, the US government's version. Um, and that's going to be effective. Yeah, the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2024. So basically, they're, they're saying it's a machine-based system that can be for a given set of human-defined objectives. They can make predictions. They can make recommendations, decisions, influence real or virtual environments and artificial intelligence systems use machines and human-based inputs to perceive real and virtual environments, abstracts such as perceptions into models through analysis and automated matter, as well as use model inference to formulate options for information and action. I know that's like, like that was actually painful for me, for me to say, but we're actually gonna show you um, what that actually means here. We, we actually use um, technology at GRF um, you know, I want you all to know that this technology is affordable. It's out there. It's available. And actually, a lot of these software um, vendors that you that you may be working with, because um, we we currently white label a lot a lot of our software that we use. 
artificial intelligence is, is starting to just get baked into the things that we do and, and it's making things very convenient um, and it's helping you do predictions uh, or, or, you know, make certain decisions and, you know, even, you know, fix a zero day vulnerability or, you know, just like the antivirus that Darren was talking about. These companies are already doing a lot of the work for you. We just have to be ready to take it in. I would strongly suggest implementing some sort of committee. I know we have one at GRF um, within your organization to constantly evaluate the technology as it comes out. You're gonna need to develop the culture of innovation, right? You gotta, gotta really understand what is AI. We're gonna talk a little bit more about that as legislation comes out. You wanna make sure you're in compliance with laws, um, things, you know, depending on what kind of decision-making it's going to be doing within your organization. But when we're talking about cybersecurity, Please form some sort of committee within your organization to constantly be evaluating the technology. You're going to need to do that in order to be nimble in order to fight these defenses. So if you don't have a committee formed, I strongly suggest you do that. And they should also be evaluating the new technology, other departments. I was like throwing marketing under the bus because they were under fire during GDPR because all the sensitive information they were collecting. But even, even other departments, what software are they getting? Could Can it be hacked? Artificial intelligence can be hacked as well. So anyway, um, go ahead, click the link. This is a really great resource and I'm going to turn it over um, to the next slide. Who's next here? Is it Darren? Yes. Talk a little yeah. bit more about the difference between these different uh, machine learning and deep learning and artificial intelligence. Yeah. So everybody says AI. That, that's the that's the coin word, big term out there, everything. Um, it's, it's an overarching term that covers a lot of different aspects of computers and so forth. So obviously artificial intelligence. It's development of smart systems that carry out, uh, that machines carry out tasks. Essentially what it is that usually replaces a human. So machine learning is a subsect of that. It's an algorithm to learn how to make inferences, decision-making, et cetera. So chat GPT, you kind of say, I have a question or I need help writing this. It'll kind of spit that out. And the deep learning, um, the, it keeps learn. it actually keeps learning. So it becomes more of that human aspect. So that's what deep learning is. So artificial intelligence, breaks down into multiple phases. And obviously there's a lot more out there. Um, here's an example of some large language model stacks out there. Um, some other ones I actually just came across, someone from my team just came across it yesterday, uh, Perplexity, and, and another one is called Hugging Face. Um, probably not the most ideal name for one, but okay, it, you do you. Um, but these two are actually, they're very similar to ChatGPT, but they actually provide references of where they, found that information. It's not always 100% correct, but you at least have a reference like, okay, you found this from CNBC. Great. Now I can go to CNBC's article and be like, okay, you're a vetted, ideally um, useful source that we can trust and go to and, and use that. So obviously the you can see the Google logo down there. Um, their chat GPT version is called BARD and it's based upon LAMDA and LALM. And those are down here in this area, if you guys can see that mouse, if not, the Google logo is right there. So you may have seen some of these before, you may not have. There's tons of different ones you can, I don't wanna say replace a whole marketing team, but you can actually grab images offline, tell tell a AI to kind of give me a description of what this is, and then use another AI to create this image. It'll basically create an image very similar. So um, it can help with development and help with all different things. You can change your voice. You can have Morgan Freeman kind of read do a webinar for you. Obviously, you'd probably get more more people to show up if if Morgan Freeman was here, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, mean, I just heard him. Me. I just heard him in the background. Oh. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about how AI and other tech can help in the cybersecurity pathway. 
All right. So I love I love kind of breaking it down. Um, I like to try to keep things simple as possible. Um, so when we talk about cybersecurity, I always like to break down this pathway. So um, step one is, you know, what is your baseline, right? What is what is uh, you, you need to be able to do a risk assessment to understand what you even need to protect, right? So um, this is really important. It needs to be done at least annually. So you need to do a cybersecurity risk assessment annually, right? Your auditors may even start to ask you about it. Um, there's new financial statement audit requirements that are really digging down on the financial statement auditors to make sure there's good controls in place. And obviously financial data resides on you know, computer systems and we gotta make sure there's good access controls and all those things. And so this is really becoming a very big area. So if you're not addressing it, it could be, it could become a problem on your financial statement audit as well. But anyway, so understanding your baseline is the most important thing. You get this question a lot, like what do we need to spend money on? Is it a cyber audit? Is it, you know, policies and procedures? And, you know, is it, you know, training? And, and the answer is yes to all of that, but you can't really do any of that if you haven't done a good uh, cybersecurity risk assessment. In this slide, we are going to show you some of the tools that we, you know, you can do this on your own, but you, it's important to leverage technology and the technology is affordable and we can't get away, even as internal auditors in IT or any area, we can't get away with doing what we used to do. It's just, it's too, we, we need to leverage technology to stay you know, to be able to be able to even defend ourselves, right? And the technology is affordable and we can do it. We have to, we have to make the jump and we have to invest either ourselves or we have to work with third parties that have the technology that can help us along the way. So anyway, so you do your baseline, you, you figure out your risk assessment, right? The second part then, once you know what your risks are and what you want to protect, right? What are your crown? Then you develop your controls to protect it. And from those controls, you develop your policies and procedures. And I really hope you have an information security policy at your organization. And if you don't, please get to working on that right now, right? Do your risk assessment, do your policies and procedures. And um, you, even if you outsource your IT, you still need information security policies regarding you know, how folks access data, um, what you're going to do to respond if something were to happen, all those kinds of wonderful things. It's incredibly important and it's necessary for a financial statement audit, as well as to, to make sure you have that. So that's something you got to do every year at a minimum every year, do your risk assessment, adjust your policy if needed. And then you got to educate your employees on what your policy is, right? Um, and so do they know the risks? Are you evaluating your third-party vendors? All those kinds of wonderful things. You got to train folks, right? And so we've seen a lot of training happening with not clicking links, and that was a really big deal. So obviously these these fraudsters are, are developing other ways, like you know calling folks. Uh, you may need to start calling folks back. You know we got to respond to how they're starting to attack us. They've got these really sophisticated deep fakes, so we've got to keep people on red alert about what to do there. And then finally is where we do the audits. And we can definitely leverage artificial intelligence to help us with these audits as well. But again, that's the last part because when someone says they want a cybersecurity audit, I don't think you realize, maybe you do, how, how broad of a question or a statement that actually is and what you want your scope to be. Someone can give you a cyber, they're like, sure, we'll just give you a general one and, they'll, and they can give you something and you'll feel warm and fuzzy, but you probably really shouldn't. If you didn't know what your risks were, how do you even know we audited against those risks, right? You can, you can check the box, I guess, but you might really not be safe and secure. So it's important to have gone through this entire process and then get an audit against your biggest risk or some areas that you really want to work on and, and get additional assurance that those controls are working appropriately. Now we can leverage, again, artificial intelligence. We're going to talk about all that super cool stuff that we can do. But I, I always want to remind everybody the basics 
of what we're trying to accomplish um, in, you know, just having a good cybersecurity program. These are the basics and please don't skip any of these steps. Mm -hmm. So um, again, talking about the baseline, for example, we can use tech. So this is something that I would have needed technology to do. I, so I, we go to a client and they're like, oh, everything, we moved everything off-prem, you know, everything's in the cloud, right? So we use, we use scanning technology and we were able to identify that there were in fact servers still connected and on site, right? This is a simple way to not just, you know, not just, you, to, you actually have to, you know, trust but verify and you have to do a scan to make sure they're written. So then we can design controls to protect. We can, you know, make sure the server is decommissioned or properly secure it. All these wonderful things. Again, if you don't got your first, if, you're, if your risk assessment's wrong and you don't know what to create, the whole thing isn't going to work. So that's what's really important about that. And I'm going to turn it over to Darren to talk a little bit about all that. Yeah. So this is obviously one of the things that Liz was talking about, the digital footprint. Obviously, this is a public-facing perspective um, type thing. You can do one internally also, but you kind of have to tell whoever's doing the audit or doing the risk assessment, this is our network. Can you scan everything in this? And then obviously, if people aren't in the office, then maybe that device doesn't show up. You don't see those vulnerabilities. From the uh, public perspective, usually it's always on or it's always off. You kind of don't usually turn things off that frequently. Um, and we kind of find out, okay, did you leave? Did you leave something on? This is your. These are all the domains you own, or maybe you own these, and someone from your organization bought another domain, and they use the same um, registrar um, email address to sign up. Say, okay, well, it matches, so it somehow is associated. It may not be traditionally owned by the company or the organization, but has some sort of connection. So it is some some way connected there. Um, different emails that have been leaked online, unfortunately. Once they're out there, they're kind of always out there. So that's that's how they find you, and that's how they start start fishing you. Um, social media accounts. Does your organ does your marketing team have social media accounts for every platform? Maybe maybe yes, maybe no. Do they change those passwords every single time somebody leaves? Maybe maybe not. Um, do they use a password manager? Or something from that perspective. I mean, it, there's questions out there that you may or may not know the answers to. It may be very beneficial. Maybe if one person in marketing. And maybe that person leaves or whatever the case may be. They're along with the organization. Can you still get into those platforms to connect with your followers, members, et cetera? Uh, the next one is uh, patch management. So it's always a, a fun one. Um, so you can see the vulnerabilities that are that, that are out there. You can see, you can run this from like a third party perspective, see, okay, well, my third party, they're a small niche vendor. They do our CRM. They focus on our type of industry. And they're using legacy and legacy servers. So from this example, we have uh, Windows 2012 R2. They could have older ones. I think it was the Met Opera in, in, in New York. They were running server 2008 R2 and they got hacked. It could have been a variety of different things. I heard from a political standpoint, um, I'm supporting Ukraine, et cetera. So there was a, a musician there. It could have been, they got in through that aspect. It could have been something else. It could have been a variety of different things, but. They did get in. We we saw a vulnerability there. If you go to this website, which is down below, it's called Exploit Database. It kind of tells you what to do. It tells you how to break into an organization if they have this vulnerability. And if you don't know how to code, guess what? Now we have ChatGPT to kind of help us with this. We say, ChatGPT, can you write this so I know how to do it? Here's my variables. And at that point, it's not necessarily your your company data because you're just you're trying to, as a malicious actor, you're trying to break in, so you don't really care what ChatGPT has about you. Um, but if it's your company, you obviously want to make sure you don't put client data in there because obviously if ChatGPT gets hacked, which they have in the past, 
you don't want client data just out there, especially if it's super sensitive. So you have to be careful. You have to anonymize what data goes in there so it can't be identified to anybody. And just, uh, just to point out, we, we don't need people's permission to run this scan. Um, on you know, we we can run this. And actually, if anybody wants a free scan of their organization, just email us. We'll we'll give you this report. This is the same thing an insurance company would run on you to see whether they would give you what level of cyber insurance you'll get, or if you just won't get cyber insurance at all. So just to let you know, this is this anybody can see this about you. This isn't a secret um anymore. Maybe five years ago it would have been. Let's say you're an internal audit and you got to do an audit of the IT and the IT environment, and you rely on a scan that they did as your evidence. Well, now you can affordably run your own scan to benchmark and ask more informed questions. So I want internal audit departments to start thinking differently. Um, you wouldn't just go on what, you know, maybe the controller or the CFO is that you would probably want to do your own analysis. We need to be doing the same thing on the IT side. And we really didn't have that technology before. This stuff is, and a lot, I mean, you can go to certain websites and get this open source information. Um, it's it's at your fingertips, and I want to encourage you to do that. And if you have any questions, please reach out to us. And and also, by the way, they don't need your permission to run this scan either. So it's something to really think about as well. You know, it's not like when they're pulling your credit report, they need to, you know, you need to sign something to allow the lenders, of course, when you're applying for credit, to run your credit score or your credit reports. Well, not in this case. They can mm -hmm. just run it behind you, and and the organization doesn't even know about it. Yeah, they don't have to tell you this is why. Yeah. Or also, you can run this on your third parties before engaging yeah. a third party. Or could, if you have a significant third party, bake it into what you do annually um, before you even do business with them. It's very um, absolutely, we run it as part of our IT audits. Um, and often, oftentimes, that's like our kind of initial risk assessment is what we do. And it helps us design um, some of the tests that we're going to do. Um, so this other section, and this is all part of this uh, technology that we have, the cyber technology scan that we run. Uh, we actually worked with the vendor because at, at the time, I think it was 2019, I was completely obsessed with privacy and GDPR. Um, <laughs> and I said, can you can we can we design something that's going can, can scan an organization's website, read their privacy policy, and benchmark it against um, you know some of the latest? I mean, I, it was it's just a lot to keep up with the, all the changes with privacy. Um, so actually this technology here will do that. I'm sure artificial intelligence is, you know, making this even faster and more nimble as things come out. But right now we do have the technology available. It will scan your privacy policy and make suggestions on where there's gaps. And I do think that's a really important thing to be aware of because it's public facing. And also, you know, you need to, it, it, this is something technology might not be able to help you with, but you need to read it just to make sure you're, you're actually uh, doing what it says you're doing because you're really kind of putting folks on notice that you do certain things. And and hopefully you didn't just copy paste it from someone else's website or maybe an attorney wrote it for you, but you haven't operationalized it within your organization. Really big risk there. So we always like to take a little bit of time to pause and look at folks um, privacy policies that are on their websites. Right, right. And this obviously then, you know, takes it into the uh, password management. If you go to the next slide, Darren. So again, this all ties back to obviously to those uh, policies and procedures that we were alluding to or have been alluding to during the presentation, uh, really come up with, with strong password management and policies, you know, within the organization. Uh, how about the usage of email addresses? You know, clearly you don't want your, your employees to be using the organization's email address to be signing up for personal websites or or what have you you know you want to make sure that you restrict the use 
of that particular email address strictly for business purposes, because clearly when employees or staff are using that email address for signing up for, for you know, whatever is outside of a business uh, purpose, then I've seen that creates even a higher risk of those websites to be hacked. And then all of a sudden, uh, the organization is is at risk for, for XYZ reason. Also, the password policy. So clearly you want your employees to be changing those passwords very often, you know, at a minimum every six months or less than that, I would actually say probably quarterly at a minimum to be updating those passwords and they need to be strong, you know, so many characters in length and so on and so forth. And also how about MFA, multi-factor authentication? Is that something that, you know, the organization does currently have? I would certainly think that it should, you know, clearly we talked about AI becoming very robust and impersonating, you know, individuals, then clearly you want that multi-factor authentication hopefully to be enabled. Uh, to be able to keep uh, the organization very safe. Now, again, more things are going to come out. You know, obviously there is password managers that can be utilized, but again, organizations need to really understand also that there is a risk of using a password management. You know, those have a higher risk of being hacked as well because those hackers are really targeting. LastPass, I believe, was hacked not too long ago. Uh, so it's something to also keep in mind as well. And if an, if, a, if a password manager is hacked, you know, then that's organization need to switch over to another one. So again, all of these conversations need to be uh, discussed. Uh, and like Melissa was talking about creating that team uh, within the organization that's really looking into all these things at the beginning, you know, then that's probably that team's responsibility. You know, what are we doing here? What are we doing in terms of passwords? You know, are we using the correct software and is it, and is it for the whole organization? So that, that takes it to the next uh, slide here that Darren will talk about, about some of the SSL and TLS strength and so on and so forth. So Darren? Yeah, one other thing I wanted to say about um, organizational email address being used, it's not just a password being lost. It can also be now, if you sign up for Amazon, you sign up for all these different services. Now I can fish you based upon those items and you'll be more apt to click on them because you think, oh, I actually have a package because I signed up here. But if you don't sign up for it, why would you ever assume, if I, like my work email, I never get Amazon as my personal one. I get Amazon packages like every day. I'm surprised I won't get one during this webinar, but, and you'll hear my dog, but, but for the organization, if I get an email that says you have an Amazon package, I'm like, no, I don't like, I don't sign up there. I would never, ever expect it. So I'll just delete that email. So that's just one, another thing that can help protect organizations. And also always have MFA. I know I mentioned before, it's not the end all be all greatest thing because you can't still bypass it. It's still better than not having it. So absolutely have it on as many things as possible. Um, but like I said, that user training that General Melissa is going to talk more about is super important. Um, uh, SSL TLS strength. So this is that lock in the top left corner. I think in pretty much every browser now, um, maybe in slightly different place, but pretty much says you're at a secure connection. Going back, you still can... If you still have to look at the URL and make sure the URL is correct, I can buy an SSL cert that says I'm a legitimate person for an organization's name that is completely random. But if you don't even look at that URL, it doesn't matter because you're trusting that lock over anything. So from here, you can see what what um, encryption methods are being used and uh, super technical. But well, if you guys have questions about it, please feel free to reach out. I won't go too into depth into that today. Next one is fraudulent domains. So it comes back to, like I mentioned, I can buy an SSL cert for a type of squatted URL. So let's say um, this obviously example here is Facebook. What if I bought face B-O-O-O-K? I have three O's in there. 
I can buy an SSL cert and have it and say, I'm a, I'm a legitimate organization. If you look at it, it's going to be a mirror of Facebook and I'm going to still try to sell your credentials. So you still have to look at that URL line. Um, and there is a way you can um, kind of contact the, the registrar. So like GoDaddy, Network Solutions, Amazon, there's a ton of different ones out there. And you can see who owns that domain and then kind of report it if it is something malicious, they're copying your website, all different fun and annoying stuff. So part of the technology will be able to let you know if a fraudulent domain, like you can be immediately notified. This is where, you know, artificial intelligence can help you. If you're if you're set up and if it's scanning, uh, leak password went out, you know, credentials went out. Oh, we need to make sure this person's been properly terminated from the system. You can be notified the moment a fraudulent domain comes up. So that means someone might be trying to mirror your website. All, all kinds of bad things can happen there. Get your donations, siphon things. So this is all really good stuff to monitor and the technology is going to enable us to do it. Um, we, you know, one time it's always good to look, but I would suggest continuously monitoring. Um, again, the technology is affordable to be able to be notified when these things are popping up. And the next polling question is, does your organization fall in IT security framework? So the examples we have here are ISO, that'd be like ISO 27001. There are other ISO ones for like Manufacturing, we have NIST CSF, which is cybersecurity framework, NIST CMMC, which is more of like government contracting, PCI DSS, credit cards. Um, maybe you merge multiple frameworks together and kind of, uh, they call it crosswalking, crosstalking, things like that. Maybe you don't use any, or maybe you just aren't sure what, what the organization's using. Okay, so we have a good amount of unsure, which maybe that's not in your purview, which is okay, kind of haven't been told. Um, multiple framework, which is always great. Maybe you have it from a compliance standpoint, or maybe that's your your differentiator in the market that you really say, okay, well, this is what, this is how we're going to sell our product, which is how we're going to um, be above the competition, give us your donations or whatever your organization does. Okay. All right. So uh, thank you guys for filling out the polling question. That's very informative. Um, so um, it's okay if you're not sure. Um, a lot of times, maybe you just have, hopefully you have information security policies. If you don't, please develop them. Let's say you do have them um, and you just, I, I would strongly suggest benchmarking yourself against a, a particular standard. That way you can see where you are. Um, let's, for example, like ISO, whatnot. A lot of times we'll look at it and we'll be like, gosh, you guys are a little light on third party risk management. Like, what are you doing for third parties? Or it'll just expose maybe some areas where you can maybe add some controls and some risk areas that you have. You do not need to comply 100% with every aspect of the framework. That may seem overwhelming, but it needs to be based on a risk assessment. If I'm trying to hammer that in there, you got to know your risks and then design your controls based on a framework. So folks ask, what's the most important thing, right? Get an audit, do a framework benchmark, whatnot. I'd say go in order. Um, make sure you got a thorough risk assessment. Maybe have somebody look at your risk assessment. Then the next thing you might want to do is do a benchmark of your against a framework of your information security policies and procedures. And guess what? Technology can help us do that. So Darren, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Oh, the next thing I want to say is AI can go rogue. So yes, we've said yes. talked about how AI is a great, wonderful thing. It helps us, and I'll talk more about how it helps us. But unfortunately, um, AI should not should be the start of your mission or what your project, what you're doing, not the end result. So um, at this point in time, we're not saying it's going to replace humans. We're saying start with it, great, but a human still needs to look at it and make sure it's correct. You've probably seen um, ChatGPT not always being correct. There's an example of a lawyer in New York who actually used ChatGPT to write his case brief. 
um, when they were his client was suing an airline for an injury. Um, ChatGPT cited six uh, false cases, and the airline's lawyers were like, "We can't find these. Can you please pull these in discovery? Like, you got to give them us because we—that's what lawyers do, right?" Um, and he asked them, like, "ChatGPT, are these are these real cases?" Just to make sure, like they weren't fake. And ChatGPT was like, "Oh yeah, they're real. Like, don't worry about it." So he just didn't just didn't do his research on his own. He just kind of provided that to the court and found out that these those cases weren't real. They were completely yikes. Um, <laughs> obviously, obviously, that was that was big news in the ChatGPT world. Um, the lawyer obviously reputationally got damaged. The the judge said, "You're more than welcome to use ChatGPT, but you still have to review it." Like that's a really good that's a really good point i i just did uh i just did a because i'll ask it questions that i you know i know the answer to and it won't always be 100 percent right so it is but it's a great starting point it's a great starting point. but please don't try to write your information security policies using chat gpt you could have some major holes again another reason to benchmark against a framework to say oh wait that didn't actually make sense but it could really help with some of the groundwork definitely yeah, yeah. I mean, it totally shows you that AI is not going to replace the human beings. You know, there was a lot of talk right now, like, oh, my God, AI is going to take the jobs away and now people are going to be replaced by AI. Well, if you you still need a human being to go in and corroborate what AI is giving you, like in this case that Darren was giving the example. So something to keep in mind for those folks that are still thinking, oh, my job is going to be gone tomorrow because AI is going to take it. Well, First of all, you need to use AI because you need the help of it. But at the same time, you need to go in and corroborate. So if you don't do both, that's when you're going to be replaced, in in our opinion. And then here's an example of AI can help with, with report writing. So obviously, this is coming from our GRC um, software. So we can obviously say, OK, help us create recommendations. And then we can say, OK, this is my audience. Maybe I don't want common language. I want super technical. I want to cyber, it's going to cybersecurity. Or maybe I want to break it down. I want to do executive report at a really high level. Maybe the board doesn't have anybody with a cyber background, IT background, which is, which is okay. At least in my opinion, it might be different for the two partners in this group. But <laughs> um, but you can change it and you say, oh, we really want really expansive. I want a lot of detail. I mean, I want really short. Maybe they're, this is a group that really wants like brevity as, as the, I forgot it. I learned it in, English class, like in fifth grade, it's it a good quote. Well, I mean, so this is this is the example of the GRC technology that we currently have. So mm -hmm. if if we were to do a benchmark of your information security policies, we would use this technology of which it helps us, you know, make suggestions and it'll tailor our responses. And this is actually something that you can use as well to benchmark yourself and help you come up with results and how to communicate this to your board. Is that right, Darren? Yes, that's that exactly right. So here's an example of adequate response going to a cybersecurity professional. It's got some length to it. The next one is common language and brief response. So obviously you can be tailored and obviously we can modify it and say, okay, well, we know this organization likes using this type of verbiage. We change it. So that's us going in and still doing our work. So it's not like, oh, they're just using a or ChatGPT and not doing any work for us. I get out of here. We're not. <laughs> it definitely helps with that process. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, of course, you know, this all reverts back to training. You know, as, as we mentioned here, there's a lot of users that don't recognize a phishing email. They simply just look at it like the one that Darren was talking about, getting it from Amazon uh, that, oh, you're getting a package today. Can you please confirm? And all of a sudden they're clicking on it because they're not recognizing the fact that, oh, wait a minute, this is not the email address I've been using for the Amazon. This is for my personal. Anyways, so it all it's all about training. Make sure that 
uh, because at the end of the day, it's the, that's the weakest link, you know, when organizations, when employees of organizations just click on the wrong link and they start giving out information. So performing those phishing campaigns, the phishing simulations, which again, are all AI driven anyways, because they are learning how individuals are communicating through email and what they're doing. They're going through those personal accounts. So the more it's always been said, you know, the people that are very active in social media, those are usually the ones that could be targeted much, you know, they have the higher risk because they know the hackers can go on LinkedIn, they can go on Instagram, they can go on Facebook and understand exactly what they're doing, where they are at any point in time. So they can really, you know, perform those attacks to them uh, much more uh, effectively, if you will. So again, training, 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 we cannot say enough about training. We have a nice white paper here that we welcome everyone to take a look at to understand. And this is something that we can also help our clients uh, with, you know, on the cyber training and, and the phishing campaigns and so on and so forth. So something to think about, to think about. Now, are we really protected if we move to the next, you know? So again, there's also a few things that organizations, and I know we've already said it about performing those annual IT audits, but again, be specific about the risks that those audits are going to be looking at, because obviously, you know, it could be very broad in scope, kind of like what Melissa was talking about. So you need to really sit down, go through that cybersecurity pathway that, that we talked about, that Melissa talked about during the presentation, and really hone in into the areas that the organization could be most vulnerable uh, in, in, in a particular cyber risk. You know, IT is very complex. You know, a lot of individuals do not understand it uh, and they do not verify what's going on with IT. So that's where also, you know, the help of AI can come into place. But again, don't trust everything that AI is giving the organization. You need to still go back and corroborate. So... That takes us to the next one about embracing the technology. And this is the nice uh, risk assessment, IT risk assessment scorecard, if you will, that we do perform with our clients. So Darren is going to give a little bit about this and then we'll go from there. Yeah, so this is just the, the quick report view of it. Um, we kind of went through a couple of those items in there, kind of the, the big ones that really we focus on, on today. Like Melissa said, if you'd like a, a free quote, quote snapshot, let us know and um, obviously... It's Cyber Awareness Month, and it's super important to kind of know everything about that. Um, one of the ways we use it um, for third-party risk management is with AI is you want to compare your, your vendor to a cybersecurity framework. This one example, we're using NIST CSF. So we have the, uh, what is it, the blue bubble, the blue circle, uh, blue ring, which shows the completeness of the framework or how much the framework we're able to extract from the externally facing assets. So from that, you can say, well, we want to look at um, data data retention and data um, governance. So from that, you can see on the left side, we're looking at NIST, uh, sorry, SANS uh, CIS version eight, and then we're comparing it to um, the cybersecurity, the NIST cybersecurity framework. And then we're looking. This is the data we're pulling. We're pulling it from their privacy policy. So, like I said, public publicly available assets. So you can ask the vendor afterwards. Hey, can you send me your information security policy? We can upload it and we can modify how it's affecting this completely. So um, it gives you an idea of what they're doing. It is not a foolproof, like they're, they have Fort Knox over there. At least their policy says they're doing it. You still have to do your due diligence if they are doing it, maybe a SOC 2 audit, um, maybe, a, maybe an ISO certification, some different things you can do or ask. I, I like these because they're real time too, sometimes too. Sometimes right. the SOC audits are from a year ago. And, you know, and, and from an internal audit 
perspective, if you wanted to run a scan to kind of figure out what are the, the highest risk ones, maybe we do a deeper dive on, you can kind of scan the whole universe and do a deeper dive. So there's lots of really cool ways we can utilize this technology to, to make us better auditors, right? So. The next one is a ransomware index, kind of shows you where your weaknesses are from that public perspective. So do you have remote access ports for fraudulent domains are a lot out there? Um, what's your organizational risk based on where you kind of are in the world? Are you more risky just inherently from that perspective? Uh, the next one is fair analysis. People like to know, at least CPAs it seems, um, kind of like to know how much, okay, we have a, we have a breach. What's it going to cost us? Obviously, we try to kind of going from all different breaches out there and research and showing kind of putting a number on it for each individual one. And it changes based upon how many PII or uh, records you guys have, things from that perspective. Do you have cyber awareness insurance, cyber awareness program? Do you have CISO? Do you do um, sorts of analysis on your IT systems? Do you look at logs, things like that? All change the, the numbers around. Now going into culture. Yeah, we're, we're definitely running low on time. So just wanted to re, you know, just, focus on the fact that you you really need to embrace uh, innovation within your organization, the culture of innovation. Just wanted to drive that home to close it out. Um, if you just keep going to the next slide. Um, a lot of times the board's not gonna be kind of asking you for this information. It really needs to be the tone at the top. So maybe, you know, we need to force the conversation or refresh the composition because it's not just about cyber, but it's about digital transformation and forming committees and, and constantly looking at this technology. It's so important. So just keep going to the next slide. Um, so anyway, you may be aware, we're, it's no longer the three lines of defense, it's the three lines, we're on offense. Risk management isn't its own department, but everyone's a risk manager. Everyone is, in, everyone is responsible for understanding the risk to the technology within their organization. They're also responsible for being innovators within their organizations all the way through the organization. Please know that this is also your responsibility, not some other department. The polling question is, is your board actively engaged in your organization's top risks? So is it an agenda item at board meetings? Um, and the reason why we kind of have this poll, I'll kind of, Carl, if you want this one. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, you know, the poll, obviously, you know, so we were talking about the California Consumer Privacy Act, you know, the fact that now that is becoming law and we know California has been in the forefront of bringing all these privacy statutes and so on and so forth. So again, once California starts doing it, you know, it's going to be a matter of time until the rest of the states sort of like start adapting this. But one of the things here is really that auditors are specifically required, as we say here, to report issues regarding the cybersecurity audit directly to the board of directors. So something to really keep in mind, it's going to become more stringent and this is why AI is very important to be able to be in compliance with a lot of these regulations as they come out. And again, we have a little bit of a, of a, a link actually down here that gives a little bit more detail about I this. just posted it to the chat too. Perfect, 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 perfect. So again, global AI on the next you know slide really is becoming global, right? And that's why I wanted to have my background in the global sort of like world because it's becoming global as we go to the next slide, you know, something to think about. It's only a matter of time until everybody is really required to be following this particular legislation. And I'm sure the federal agencies are right behind it. Uh, so it's very important for organizations to really be in the forefront of this. 
And hopefully right. it comes from a federal standpoint, not a state, because that just makes yeah. it very convoluted yeah. and like this state, yeah. that state, do we we're operating in that state? And it gets gets very interesting. Yeah. I mean, countries obviously worldwide are still designing and implementing AR governance legislation. You know, they they're looking at, you know, uh, the legislative efforts include the development of comprehensive legislation, focused legislation for specific use cases, and of course, the, the voluntary guidelines and standards. So anyways, uh, on the next slide, we obviously, if you want more, we definitely welcome you to take a look and check out our podcast, you know, uh, we do have a few of those. So definitely, you know, we can obviously post it on the site here, but you can go on our website and really take a look at some of those and listen in to some uh, podcasts that really have even more content than possibly this area and many other areas that obviously we help our clients with. Uh, so again, the last slide here, you know, we have our contact information. So we have, uh, you all have our email addresses or phone numbers and you can see our pictures here. So next time you call us, you'll know whom you're talking to, but obviously we'll be happy to help in any way that we can. Uh, we wanna be on your side and we wanna help our clients be successful and. Uh, really our communities be successful as well because it all extrapolates into clients, communities, and of course the talent that we have internally here at our firm. I know we went a couple minutes over. I appreciate everybody staying on. doesn't look like we lost anybody, so I appreciate it. And, yeah. and I think we have the last slide. It's just a disclaimer, right? We're supposed to still show the disclaimer to everybody, <laughs> you know, job, required by law, right? <laughs> Walk, do not run to the exit, please, you know. <laughs> so, but thank you everyone for obviously attending our webinar today. Hopefully it was very informative. Uh, I know it's a lot of content. It's a lot of information, but uh, I'll turn it over back to Melissa or Dion if you want to close it up, but happy that you all could join us today for this very informative hour. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the GRF on the Co podcast. Visit our website at grfcpa.com for more information about the services we provide, the industries we serve, or to request a quote.